last minute thing last night and Alyssa wanted to sing with us. This is the prayer of our hearts. And we'd like you to join us on number 99 when we go, when we sing the last stanza. Number four. 99. Dismayed, whatever God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide, God will take care of you.
Let's try. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. That was beautiful. I'd like to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to uh, the Gospel of John. We're turning to chapter 11, and we'll be reading verses 25 and 26. That's John chapter 11, verses 25. And 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Now our brother Dean will bring us God's message, searching for the true God. This morning, we're going to do something a little different. We had something planned, but the plan changed. In a sense, I suppose we could call it my testimony. Um, I'm so happy that many years ago, there was an elderly couple who invited a father and seven children to evangelistic meetings up on the shores of Lake Washington, up in Washington State. And one of those little children was my mother. The entire family was baptized into the church, into Jesus. First of all, Jesus, then the church. And then in another part of the state, there was a young boy, 17 years old, who went out the bedroom window of his home because his father was an alcoholic. He couldn't take it anymore. And he started selling newspapers on the streets of Spokane, Washington. And in there was an invitation to Charles T. Everson's evangelistic meetings. Um, 17 year old boy went and he was baptized. And if it were not for those two events, the young boy was my father, the young girl in that family of seven children was my mother, I would not be here today, of course. I'm grateful for what my parents instilled in me. There's been times in my life when I suppose you could say the cord that holds on to Jesus was frayed a bit, but it's never broken. Um, you know, if, if we don't know God in the good times, it's very difficult at times to find him in the bad times. Um, so today... I'm going to do something different, never done before. I'm going to go through the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation and share with you some beacon texts that give me courage and strength. So bear with me as we do this. It's something new, and I hope it'll be edification for you as well. Start with Genesis 1.1. Um, 
We're going to end up with Revelation, as I mentioned. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. What a nice place to start, in the beginning God. That tells us, I think, that suggests to us God was there forever before. He was there then at creation. And he's with us now, and he'll be forever in the future. It's hard to wrap our minds around that. Forever past, forever future. We just can't understand that, at least I can't, in my finite wisdom. But that's the place we're going to start this morning. We're going to move over to Genesis 2, uh, 1 to 3. And every Sabbath, I think we mentioned it in the Sabbath school lesson, every Sabbath we think back to creation because that's where God created the Sabbath. Chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them, all the stars, all the planets in the skies, millions and billions upon billions of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. Um, Sabbath, then, is a special time and reminds us always of creation. We go on to Genesis 6. Again, these are verses that over my lifetime and in recent years and months and actually days have inspired me to hold on to God with a firm grip. Genesis 6, 5 to 8. And here we have an amazing thing where God talks to a man and tells a man something. You know, the other part of this would be, what kind of God do you know? What kind of God do you serve? Do you know about God or do you know God? And God saw, verse 5, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of his thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And God, the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping things and the fowls of the air, and it repenteth me, he said it twice, he repenteth me that I have made them. And then the next beautiful verse, see God's talking to Noah, but then it says, and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And then God listened to Noah because he found grace there. Um, Exodus 19.20. Let's move over to Exodus 19.20. Here we have something that comes down to us to this day. You know, when God... God can't help himself. When he wants to impress us, he can do so with a great power that we can't even understand. Exodus nineteen sixteen, And it came to pass on the third day of the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount, and the voice of the trumpet exceedingly loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. If you were there that day, put yourself there and imagine how you would be. 
verse 18, and the Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke. Don't you love the words of the King James Version? The top of the mount was altogether on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him by a voice. Here we have God talking to man again. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai at the top of the mount, and the Lord caught Moses up to the top of the mount, and Moses went up. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go down, charge the people, that they break through unto the Lord to gaze, and if they do so, many may perish. And then we go into chapter 20, and here we have the great standard of living. Nations of the earth today, courtrooms in the secular sense, but also in the spiritual sense. Here we have the great commandments of God that he gave to Moses, that amazing man who had to spend 40 days, 40, I'm sorry, 40 years out in the wilderness tending sheep to learn about God in the still and the quiet of that desert. God called him back for a great work, and we know about the Exodus. But here we have the Ten Commandments that to this day stand as a beacon of God's character. You cannot, you cannot change one. If you change one, you break them all. If one is broken, they're all broken. That's, God's, that's because it's God's character. Um, Exodus 31.12 we move on to Exodus 31.12. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbaths ye shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. Well, we're just another generation after all those other generations. Throughout your generations, that ye may know that I am the Lord. Why do we want to keep the Sabbath? So that we can know that the Lord is the Lord, and that he does sanctify you. And what does sanctify mean? It means set apart, set apart for a holy purpose. Set apart for a holy purpose. Okay, Exodus 32, 9. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. And Moses besought the Lord his God. Here's the Lord talking to a man again, and the man talking back to the Lord. It's amazing. And Moses besought the Lord his God, and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people? which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power, with a mighty hand. Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out, to slay them in the mountains, and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn. Can you imagine talking to God like this? Turn from thy fierce wrath, and repent of this evil against thy people. Moses is on dangerous ground. He's saying, God, repent of your evil thoughts. Verse 14, the Lord repented. Here it is. The Lord listened to Moses, and he's answering now. And the Lord repented of this evil, which he had thought to do unto his people. It's amazing. God talking to a man, and man 
looking up and talking back to God and telling God, Lord, you better think twice about this. It's an amazing interplay in Scripture. Exodus 34, 6. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. And after he heard those words, it says, Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped this God he had just corrected. Remember, today's remarks are a journey and a search for the true God. All right, let's move on to um, Exodus 32, verse 30. Back to it, yes. And here we have one of the most poignant points of all the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. This interplay between Moses and God, it is absolutely incredible. Let's read verse, chapter 32, verse 30 onward. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses said unto the people, Ye have sinned a great sin, and now I will go up unto the Lord. Peradventure I shall make an atonement for your sin. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, O oh, this people have sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold. And verse 32, can you believe this verse? Can you believe it? Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, my Bible has a pause there. And if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. I have a question. How did Moses know about the book of life? How did Moses know about the book of life? He was willing to give his own life for his people. He was willing to have his name blotted out if God would spare the people of Israel. Those same people that had threatened to stone him and kill him. Let's go to Numbers 14, 1 and 11. Numbers 14, 1 and 11. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? Can you imagine the miracle of the, over a million people leaving Egypt and all that that entailed, protecting them through that desert, protecting them, giving them water, giving them food, and all the rest. And now here they're saying, would that we had died in Egypt. And the Lord said again unto Moses, here he's talking to the man again, Moses. And the Lord said unto Moses, how long will this people provoke me? How long will it be ere they believe me? For all the signs which I have showed among them, 
I will smite them with a pestilence and disinherit them and will make of thee a greater nation and mightier than they. Verse 20 and 21. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. Here he is talking to Moses again. I have pardoned according to thy word. But as I truly but as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Let's let's read that again. Numbers fourteen twenty one. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. What verse does that remind you of? How about Revelation eighteen one? where it says the earth shall be lightened with the glory of God just before he comes in the clouds of heaven. That's the verse that reminds me of that. Um, so let's go on to um, Numbers. Um, I'm sorry, we're going to go into Deuteronomy now. Deuteronomy 3. Deuteronomy 3, 24. 26, 27, and 28. O Lord, and I besought the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, thou hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness and thy mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or in earth that can do according to thy works and according to thy might? I pray thee, let me go over and see the goodly land that's just beyond Jordan, the goodly mountain in Lebanon. But the Lord was wroth with me for your sakes and would not hear me. And then here Moses is pleading to the Lord, Lord, I've taken these people all through these decades out in this miserable wilderness. I've guided them. I've listened to you. I've done everything I can do except that one mistake, Lord, when I struck the rock. And you know, I heard an evangelist once talking about this, and he said, and in this way, Moses was obviously pleading with the Lord, oh, let me go over. My whole life was aimed at this event. I need to go into the Canaan. And the way it was described was that the God had to tell Moses, which he did in verse 26, speak to me no more about this, Moses. He had to say that, otherwise God's heart would be softened, and he would have had to let Moses go in. But you know, God had a much greater. This often is the case with us, I think. We think we know what we want. We're sure we know what we want. However, God has a better plan that we don't know anything about. And it was true in this case. Moses was buried up on top of Mount Nebo, and... Imagine the loneliness. The Bible says his eyes were not dim. He was not an old man that he died of an old, old age. But God said, no, Moses, it's time now for Joshua to take over. So he put Moses up, asked Moses to come up on the mount. He told him what was going to happen. And Moses laid down and died up there, all alone. But the interesting thing to me is, it wasn't long. We don't know how long. Minutes, hours, a day or two, a month. We don't know. But God raised him 
and took him to heaven. How do we know that? We have the scripture word that when Jesus was going through this crisis just at Gethsemane and the Mount of Transfiguration before that, who did have the incredible privilege with Elijah to come down and comfort our Savior? Moses himself. So, as I see it, here it is. Moses, Moses died alone. Moses had no idea what the Lord had prepared for him. He didn't have to wait till the second coming to go to the new earth. And there he resides to this day. And one day we will certainly meet him there. We have now numbers. I'm sorry, let's go to, uh, to Deuteronomy 10.12. Deuteronomy 10.12. And it's interesting to me, Jesus quoted this verse. You know, he quoted many verses of scripture dozens and dozens of times. But he also quoted Deuteronomy quite often. And this is one that Jesus quoted. Uh, chapter 10, verse 12. And now... Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul? Are those familiar words? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Lord, does that mean in the, in the bad times as well as the good times? Yeah. Let's go to Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. We're going to find another verse that Jesus quoted. Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart. Here we have it again. And with all thy soul, that thou mayest live. So here he tells us a formula. Why does he want us to love him with all our heart and with all our soul? Well, he created us and he knows that that's how we're going to live eternally. That's how, how he knows and how we, we know. Um, let's move on to Deuteronomy 31.6. Here's a, when you're discouraged, open your Bible to Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doeth good with thee, and he will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. You know, these words in this verse, fear not, I've been intrigued as I've studied the New Testament, and over and over again you'll find the words from Jesus, fear not, don't be afraid. It's in Deuteronomy as well. Let's go to Job 13. Let's go to 2 Chronicles 7.14. I'm sorry, 2 Chronicles 7.14. Sorry for the pauses.
Okay, here's a beacon text of the Old, of the Old Testament. And uh, when you're wondering which way to go, what decision to make, listen to these words from Scripture. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. I will hear from heaven, from God's very throne. Listen to that. And I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. We have Job 13.15 coming up next. Job 13.15. We all know the story of Job. He said some amazing things. And this is one of those passages that I pondered and pondered and pondered. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. But I will maintain mine own ways before him. Now this doesn't tell us that God kills people. It tells us that there's a great controversy. And... As a good friend of ours said the other night on the phone to Mona and I, um, you know, in your trials there, God is, is sad. He's also crying too. Which means that there is a great controversy. And God wants to bring it to a close. How he brings it to a close is for us to share the gospel message to the entire world. And not only to the entire world, but share it in our own hearts. Job says, though he slay me, or allows it to happen, yet will I trust him. What an incredible testimony. We go to Job 19. Job 19. Another, another beacon text for me. Job 19.25 For I know that my Redeemer liveth, that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Then we go down to, Yet in my flesh shall I see God. Verse 27 Whom I shall see for myself, myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another. See, this is a very personal God. And if we just know about God, it isn't enough. We have to know God for ourselves. Let's, um, let's, let's go to Job 42. Here's a very, very beautiful passage that speaks to each one of us, I think. It's very, very powerful. And uh, I've often pondered this one. Job 42 Verses 2, 5, and 10. I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. You see, God can see through us like a crystal glass plane. He's not obstructed by a skull or by a door or by a... He can see right, right, right through us. He knows our thoughts. He knows our thoughts before we think them. Try that one on for size. Verse 5, I have heard of thee, see here's the principle, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. 
who just let the words of Scripture sink in on that one. Now, verse 10 is so powerful. Job, with all he went through, all he went through, and then this beautiful, beautiful word from the Lord. Job 42, verse 10. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Isn't that amazing? Everything God allowed Job to go through when he prayed for his friends that were not very friendly. They were accusing him of some bad things. And also then the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Okay. We leave Job and we go on to Psalms. If you're ever discouraged, read Psalms 6. If you're ever discouraged, read Psalms 6. Starting with verse 2. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is also sore vexed, but thou, O Lord, how long? Verse 5, For in death there is, the, is no remembrance of thee, in the grave who shall give thee thanks? Then verse 6 is so powerful. We think we have troubles and problems. Well, my friends, these Bible patriarchs and Bible characters had great, great events that happened to them. Listen to what David said here in verse 6. I water, I am weary with my groaning. I am weary with my groaning. All the night make my bed to swim. Then he says how it swims. I water my couch with my tears. I water my couch with my tears. We indeed stand on the shoulders of many people in this sacred book who have gone before. Psalms 8.3 When we're discouraged, Psalms 8.3 When I consider the heavens and the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. And any glory that we might have, it's only, if it's true, it must reflect the glory of God. We have no glory in ourselves whatsoever. The Lord made that clear when he spoke that we are all pitiful and basically putrefying sores. But the glory of God changes all that. Let's go to Psalm um, 14. Many people have gone astray here when they think they're high and mighty. Psalms 14, The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. And here's a verse that I've, I've just, I thrill with. There's about, I've found about six places in scripture where this same theme comes to the forefront. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. Visualize that picture. God's up at his throne. 
And yet somehow he has this ability to look down and watch what I do. And hoping against hope, sending his angel, guardian angel, to guide me. If I'm open to it, sending the Holy Spirit to guide me. Hoping and perhaps praying that I will turn to God and will seek him and learn to know him. Remember, not about him, but to know him as a personal God. Let's go to Psalms 16, 8 and 9. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. I shall not be moved. Therefore, remember therefore is a preposition. It means what came before, now you have the thing that follows. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. And verse 11, Thou wilt show me the path of life in the presence of fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Here's a promise of eternity. There are pleasures forevermore. We either accept it or we reject it. There's no in between. Let's go to Psalms 27, if you would, please. Psalm 27, 1 and 14. 27, 1 and 14. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Wait upon the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say. Upon the Lord. You mean, Lord, in the good times? And also in the bad times? Okay. Psalms 32, verse 1, is an amazing verse. And I've tried to understand this so many times. And um, it's, it's, it's amazing, absolutely amazing. Psalms 32, verse 1. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Lord, you mean that when I ask forgiveness for what I've done wrong, that I'm blessed? Is that what you're saying, Lord? It's amazing. Blessed is is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, but in whose spirit there is no guile. But the main punch of this is, blessed is he whose transgression, transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. What an amazing thing that I can, I can trust the Lord when he promises me that. Now here's another verse with that same idea, Psalms 33, 13. And 14, I found about six of these verses, as I've said, but this one, The Lord looketh down from heaven, he beholdeth all the sons of men. So as we go about our daily walk, let us remember, wherever we are, God is watching us. Not as a judge wanting to pounce on us. No, 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 not that. He's watching us 
sending his Holy Spirit to impress us, sending our guardian angel to be with us, hoping against hope, if you will, an expression that doesn't quite fit, but hoping against hope that we will choose to serve him and choose to be with him for eternity. Psalms 34, 4 through 8. Psalms 34, 4 through 8. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked upon him, and were frightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and he saved him out of all of his troubles. Here's the verse we've known since we were two years old. And the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them. Then come the beautiful, beautiful words for us all. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. That's good enough to read twice, isn't it? O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Here we have another one of those blessed things. Blessed. I'm blessed if I ask for my sins to be forgiven, knowing that they are. And then I'm blessed if I trust in the Lord. <sighs> Psalms 46. One to three. A verse we know. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. That means right now, present help. Right now when I need him. Just right now. That's if I've known him before. Therefore will we not fear. Though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. That'd be a mighty earthquake, wouldn't it? Though the waters thereof roar and are troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, God is, we could put the word my, couldn't we? Each of us put, God is my refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Verse 10 and 11 of that chapter, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Takes me back to Revelation 18.1 again, where it says the earth will be lightened with the glory of God before he comes. Psalms 51, the great chapter on mercy, David pleading for mercy. Psalms 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I, I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Pause for a moment. My sin is ever before me. Who is it that brings our sin back to us if once we've asked for forgiveness? That would be the evil one, would it not? But he's just talking from his human frame, from his human finite mind. My sin is ever before me. I remember what I did. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear 
when thou judgest. Then we go down to verse 10, which is so beautiful. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Those are texts that are just potent with all sorts of meaning and ideas for us. Psalm 62, 6 and 8. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength, and my refuge is in God. Have you tried verse 8 on recently? Trust him in all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Those words come from a man who had a, a mighty experience with God and came out the other side, loving his Lord like he had never loved him before. Psalm 63, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee, in the dry and thirsty land where no water is. Well, I'll tell you, I have a problem. I have three pages here, and we have two more to go, but I think that wouldn't be right. Stomachs get hungry. So why don't we, um, if it's okay with you, we'll finish this off in a week or two when I'm up here again. Would that be all right? And I hope this was a blessing to you. These are texts that have been very, very meaningful to me. Mona loves the Psalms and just very, very meaningful to us. And so we ask a blessing on the words of God this morning. These were not human words, but God's words. And we appreciate you being here and uh, dive into these scriptures yourselves. And you will find joy and peace and happiness even in the hard times. Amen. Eternal Father. Our prayer this morning is that each one here will dive into the scriptures like they never have before. Help us to know God and not just know about him. Help us to be able in three minutes to tell a child how wonderful Jesus is. Help us to share this truth with everyone we meet. And at last... May each one of us go home to be with you eternally. Amen.